pretty excited about the guest that we have today. Alice Costanzo, you already had a chance to probably look at her bio. She's, she's a pretty amazing person. Uh, and she probably doesn't even feel comfortable with me saying that, but the truth is she has a tremendous amount of encouragement to lend to us around this whole theme of moving forward in terms of our own life with God and just life in general. And in, I think what you're going to find is that we're not only going to be challenged to get a proper perspective on some of the issues that we might be facing, but also to be encouraged to be courageous. And so um, Alex has been someone, I know she's not new to everyone, she and her family have been part of the church now for about a year uh, since they moved here, and uh, she shared at our coffee talk, she's very close friends with my wife as well, um, but we're really looking forward to her sharing her heart with all of us together. So can we give Alex a warm welcome? Can we do that? Come on, Alex. Happy Mother's Day. I hope all of you get a chance to reach out to your moms today. I'm excited to see my boys later. Um, I told them last night that I wouldn't see them until later today because I had to speak. And my little guy said, Mom, are you famous? <laughs> I think he saw the flyers for the promo card. So yeah, very cute. But um, I'm a mom. Uh, and I have three children, all boys. And if any of you have boys, you know that having boys is all about keeping them alive, right? <laughs> If they're still breathing at the end of the day, it's been a good day. <laughs> no ER trip, praise the Lord, right? <laughs> oh, um, but um, I think there's a picture up of them. I, I, I'll, I'll introduce them to you. Uh, from left to right, I think. I, I kept getting these wrong in the last couple of services. But I think it's Bruno, who's 10. And then in the middle is Julio, who's 5. And then my oldest, Rocco, who's 13. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, those are not names for human beings. Those are names <laughs> for pets, right? Huh? I was at a party once telling a story about Rocco, and this guy interrupted me, and he says, oh, you have a dog named Rocco, too? <laughs> no, but I have a husband who took advantage of me when I was high on morphine after childbirth. <laughs> huh. But you know, it's all over after I gave him Rocco, because you, know, you can't call the other two Brian and Chris, right? <laughs> right? Here are my sons, Rocco, Brian, and Chris. It just doesn't work, right? <laughs> but my husband's name, of all names, is Michael. <laughs> you probably expected me to say Guido or Vito or something, right? <laughs> um, he's right up front here. I love you, honey. <laughs> uh, this is a picture of us when we were uh, celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary last year. Woohoo! He's the love of my life. Don't you think he looks just like Brad Pitt? <laughs> At least that's what he tells me. <laughs> Don't burst my bubble, OK? <laughs> uh, well, we have um, been in uh, San Francisco about a year and a half. We moved from Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, we love it here. We love it here. And our transition was, was very easy. Cornerstone was a big part of that. Um, although I will say it, was a, it took a little time to get used to the composting. We don't compost in Charleston. And um, it was also hard to get used to the naked people walking around town. We don't have naked people in South Carolina either. <laughs> but we love it here, and we love Cornerstone. I'm just really excited to be with you, here with you guys today. 
So moving forward in life and faith and trusting God, um, I want to talk this morning about how moving forward sometimes means walking through tough situations and painful experiences. I live in the Sunset District, uh, and we have this great view of the ocean from our back deck uh, when it's not foggy. And that fog sometimes is so dark and so thick and so oppressive that it wouldn't be that hard to convince yourself that the sun didn't exist at all. And I think that's kind of how it is when we walk through um, tough times in our life. Like, we wonder where God is. Uh, we don't see him, and we, we can't feel him through, through the pain. And this morning, I want to share with you a little bit of my thoughts of why God allows storms. Um, I want to share with you how he used storms in my life, and I hope it will encourage you. Let's start with a quick word of prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for everyone here, especially the moms. Bless the moms, Lord. Father, uh, our lives, sometimes we uh, encounter stormy weather, and um, it's hard. It's, it's frustrating. It's painful. Um, sometimes we just don't understand. We don't know how to make sense of it all. Give us your wisdom today. Help us to understand your ways, and I ask you to Reveal yourself in a compelling way to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I grew up in the Midwest, uh, which is very different than out here, in small towns. And I probably had more of an American pie kind of upbringing than a lot of you guys did. You know, I grew up uh, going to tractor pulls and tipping cows. You know? They actually do that, believe it or not. We actually do tip cows. It's animal cruelty, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I also grew up as a little bit of a, um, a social outcast. Um, we were like the only Asian family for hundreds and hundreds of miles. And, and having a visual impairment, it's hard, you know, how cruel kids can be. And it didn't help that my parents were like the original tiger parents, right? So I had to like practice piano three hours a day and work two years ahead in math. And, you know, we were kind of like the, 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 the freak of the neighborhood, the freak family of the neighborhood who was always, you know, I was always inside studying. And, and I, um, I felt very alone. Um, my parents were loving parents, but they kind of trivialized my social woes, and it was a very lonely childhood. And I'm not sure at what point I made this decision, but I said to myself, you know, I'm going to prove to the world that despite my handicap, I'm, I'm going to achieve greatness. And I'm going to show up those kids that were so mean to me on the playground. And so for me, at a very young age, it was all about achieving, going to the best schools and getting the best jobs and uh, focused on climbing the corporate ladder. And by the time I was in my late 20s, I was just a month away from becoming the youngest partner at a prestigious consulting firm in Boston. And I was so excited. You know, I had finally, finally achieved my goal. I was so close. And then I got a phone call. And it was like an earthquake that shook my world. Due to circumstances outside of my control, um, I would not get the promotion after all. And I was absolutely devastated. And I realized I had built my house on shifting sand, you know, given years of my life and sacrificed time and, and sleep and my personal life, and it had all just been washed away in an instant. And the world had turned on a dime. A couple years later, I got laid off, and I found myself in, a, in an identity crisis. <laughs> you know, I, um, I felt the need to like hang my diploma up above my washing machine, you know, <laughs> feel good about myself as I'm doing laundry. <laughs> But you know what? The first time in my life, I actually had time and margin to uh, contemplate the meaning of life. And I think um, we suffer from that, this world. You know, we're so busy, so distracted. Sometimes it's just hard to get some time to think. Uh, 
And for the first time, I wrestled with the real tough questions. Yeah, I was raised in a Christian home, but was there really a God? You know, did Jesus really, was he, was he really who he said he was, the Son of God? And what about all those other religions? And I really began searching for the first time in my life. God says in Jeremiah 20, 29, 13, if you seek me, you will find me, if you seek me with all your heart. And during that time of searching, I heard four little words, and it totally changed my life. Christ descended into greatness. And something just clicked for me. You know, Christ's teachings were radical. Uh, they were counterintuitive to this world. In this world, we ascend to greatness, don't we? We do it by beating out the next guy, and that was my MO. And I realized that Christ became great by completely humbling himself and giving his life for us. And I think that was really the point uh, where I truly came into a relationship with him. And before that, I think my Christianity was just a lifestyle of do's and don'ts. I know you might be thinking that uh, losing a promotion is a first world problem, and it is. But my point is that God will meet you where you are. You know, he had to, he had to take that um, career away from me because it was even though it was dear, he, he was willing to sacrifice it so that he could get my attention. And I'm, I'm very, very glad that he did. You know, God is pursuing us. And that brings me to my first point, that God allows storms sometimes because he wants to come into relationship with you. You know, he doesn't want it to be just going through the motions. He wants an intimate relationship. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. Once we come to know him, like a good dad, he wants us to grow up. Have you ever heard that saying, uh, you can't be young forever, but you can always be immature? Eh? <laughs> I like that one. But God doesn't want us to be immature in our faith. And he uses storms, uh, which brings me to point number two. He uses storms to grow our faith. Okay? He wants us to grow up in him. He wants us to know him better. And he wants to reveal himself to us. I've been through a lot of storms. Some I caused myself. Um, some came out from left field. But the one faith-building storm um, that probably taught me the most about who God is and how he works was when uh, my husband and I were uh, betrayed by a friend. We uh, refinanced a house, and our attorney, who was my husband's boss and mentor, and he was a good friend of ours as well as a fellow church member, he stole and spent the money and um, you know, promised us he'd pay us back. Uh, begged us not to go to the authorities, um, and uh, we were left with two mortgage payments a month to handle on our own. And it took two long years before he finally did pay us back. And I remember I spent a lot of that time just being really angry, which takes a lot of effort, by the way. It's exhausting being so angry. But during that time, God taught me um, how to forgive. And he showed me how he views sin. You know, he views sin from the origin which is in our hearts, whereas I think we view sin um, and we judge it based on how it affects society, who it affects. That's why our criminal justice system will uh, punish murder much more severely than something like theft, for instance. But God showed me, no, I don't see it that way. I see it in the heart where it starts at its origin. And if you think of it that way, sin is the great equalizer, right? We all fall short of the glory of God. And I realize I am no different from this man. And God also gently showed me my own hypocrisy and reminded me of the times that I had lied and cheated and betrayed. And I realized one day, if God could forgive me, 
then I had to forgive this man. Even if it meant going back to work and paying back every cent of that mortgage, I had to absorb his debt for him and let it go, just as Christ has absorbed our debt. And the funny thing is, we didn't get the money back until I had this change of heart. And I think that's kind of how God works sometimes. He, he wants us to have a heart change before he changes our circumstances. And how many times have I prayed a prayer of circumstance to, to God? Lord, please give me this, give me that, change this, change that. I think a prayer of heart change is a much more powerful prayer. And God taught me that it really starts with our heart. And he wants us to know his heart better. The other thing that we learned during those two years is that um, he is our Jehovah Jireh. He's going to provide for us. Michael had just started a law firm. I had just had a baby. Uh, things were tight. And somehow he, 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 he took care of us. You know? we, we didn't starve. We paid all the bills. And um, I'm so glad that we went through those storms, even though that it was painful, because my faith grew and my trust grew. I want to share with you a promise from Hebrews 12:11. It's in your handout. So no discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, it will produce a harvest of peace and righteousness for those who are trained by it. A lot of you might be going through storms now, whether it's relational or something's going on at work or with your kids or maybe health issues. Hang in there. Hang in there. There's a harvest coming. I don't know what's gotten into my kids lately, but um, they have it in their heads that they can heal my vision. <laughs> So, you know, they'll all huddle around me, and then they put their hands on my eyes, and, well, sometimes they spit on their hands first, and then they, then they put their hands on my eyes. They really like that spitting part, you know? And then there's this, very, there's this very elaborate, like, counting backwards thing, and I have to open my eyes at the perfect moment, and if I open them too early, they've got to start all over, and, you know? And they take turns praying over me, and um, <laughs> lately it's gotten even more elaborate. Like, I had to, the other day I had to hold a bouquet of flowers, and uh, one of my kids, like, had a... Star Wars lightsaber, and he put it on my shoulder like, like I'm a Jedi Knight being dubbed or something, you know? It's very sweet. It's very sweet. It hasn't worked yet. I'll keep you guys posted. <laughs> but, you know, God um, hasn't healed my blindness, and um, I think it might have something to do with the fact that um, it's, a, it's the one weakness that he made in me that's probably good for me, which brings me to my third point, which is that sometimes God allows storms because he wants to develop our character to be more like Christ. He seems to care a lot more about our character than our comfort. Wouldn't you agree? I care more about my comfort. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. But blindness is not comfortable. Um, I was born partially sighted, and I've been losing what I have um, ever since, steadily. And today, I only see light and dark. Um, I've never been able to read newspaper print or drive a car at least not legally. <laughs> I hope my dad doesn't see this later. <laughs> um, it's yet another reason never to trust a teenager, right? Sometimes I wonder, how do we make it into our 20s alive? Right? Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I got by. I, I adapted. I, I could hold things up close and, and see them, see things fairly well for a while. And I, I know what color looks like. And I use things like recorded books and screen, screen enlarging software and binoculars to help me with work and travel. And I was able to get by for a while. And I didn't like to tell people that I was legally blind. Um, sometimes it was just easier to, to not mention it at all rather than have to explain what I saw and what I didn't see and why. And, Frankly, I just didn't want to show people that I had a weakness. So sometimes I'd just fake it. 
you know, which meant I tripped over a lot of steps and spilled a lot of coffee, and I've even gotten on the wrong planes before. <laughs> I hate it when they board San Francisco right next to San Antonio, you know? <laughs> Missed a lot of business meetings. <laughs> but you could almost say that I was in denial a little bit until one day I got a wake-up call at The Gap. I felt up some poor fella because I thought he was a mannequin. <laughs> like, check it out. Oh, this is a nice denim jacket. This is really nice. Uh, <laughs> poor guy. He was waiting for his wife, who was in the fitting room. <laughs> and my husband had to rescue me. He said, oh, I'm sorry. She has boundary issues. <laughs> and then he turned to me and said, that's it. You're getting one of those white canes before you get yourself arrested. <laughs> and I did. I finally had to get that white cane, and um, I had to finally face the plain fact that I was going blind. And you know what? I want to say something about that white cane, all right? For the record, the white cane means that I can't see you, all right? Sometimes when people see the white cane, they talk louder. <laughs> and sometimes when they see it, they talk more slowly. And sometimes they do both at the same time. <laughs> All right, it means I can't see you. I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> the hardest part of going blind was um, losing my independence. You know, it's not easy to say, okay, I need help, and can you help me? But I found that people let their guard down around me. Maybe it's unconscious, because they know I can't see them. You know, I don't judge a book by the cover, because I can't see the cover. Right? I sat down in an auditorium once next to this fella, and he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, so you can't see me? Nope, can't see you. He said, well, just so you know, I'm very handsome. <laughs> the dating pool is a lot bigger when you're blind, right? <laughs> but I don't need a date because I'm married to Brad Pitt, right? <laughs> but my point is, when you judge a little less, you accept a little more. And when you accept a little more, you find yourself making a meaningful relationship. And when you have meaningful relationships, you have yourself a real community. You know, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay for us to show our weaknesses to one another. We help each other. That's how the body of Christ works. And as I like to say, weakness builds community. The Apostle Paul was said to have had um, some kind of physical affliction. And uh, he asked God to take it away three times. And God says no. And I think a lot of us can relate to him, right? We all have something that we have to endure. For me, it's a disability. For some of you, it might be an addiction or a broken relationship or maybe just a wound from your past that's never, never healed. Listen to what Paul says about our weaknesses. In 2 Corinthians 2.19, he says, For he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for because my power is made perfect in weakness, and therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power will rest on me. I realize that um, my weakness means less of me and more of Christ. My middle kid, he always asks, he loves to ask me these crazy questions like, uh, would you rather be bitten by a shark or hit by lightning, you know, that kind of thing. And the other day he said, Mom, would you rather have a billion dollars or get your sight back? I said, oh get my sight back, no question. He said, oh, come on, Mom. It's a billion dollars. You don't need to see. You're fine. But you know what? I am fine. I am fine. Blindness is not comfortable, but it's made me a little more patient, 
It's made me a lot more humble. I've become more accepting of others, which is really good because deep down I am proud and stubborn and critical. And as I face my future um, of total darkness, unless God decides to heal me, you know, unless the Jedi thing works, <laughs> I can say that his grace is sufficient. And um, I'll take the billion dollars. <laughs> Point number four, um, the storms aren't just about us. Right? God wants to reach others through your story. He wants to reach others through your story. My mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's when she was just 58 years old. Um, and within a couple of years, the mom I knew and loved just faded away. And we all felt cheated. She never got to really enjoy her grandkids. And it was really hard to watch my dad take care of her tirelessly for 12 years to the very, very end. But it was also beautiful. And not a day would go by without someone asking me, you know, how does your dad do it? How does he take care of her with such devotion and downright cheerfulness? And of course, the answer is Christ. The answer is Christ. And I realized God was using them to demonstrate to those who didn't know him what his unconditional love looks like. And it was very powerful, extremely powerful. About a year after I lost my mom, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I went through about a year of treatment. And um, the year was full of pain, physical pain. But it was full of greater joy. And I know that sounds crazy. You know, the Apostle Paul says, thank God for your trials. And I think I'm just starting to know what he means by that. Because that year, um, my relationships deepened with my friends and family, with my, uh, my husband. I met all these wonderful new people that we could encourage each other, other um, breast cancer uh, patients and survivors. I was able to sort of use my story and encourage others. And I just saw the body of Christ come to life around me. It was amazing. And I can, I can say that I really did emerge from that more joyful and more blessed. I blogged through my treatment, and I was having a conversation with my brother-in-law. He was trying to convince me to write a book. And he said, no, you know, it'd be great. You, gotta get, you could get on Oprah, and you could call it something really catchy, you know? I said, well, like what? He said, I don't know, like, uh, like Korean blind girl with cancer. It's like, that's catchy. <laughs> I said, I don't know, uh, Korean blind girl with, ca with cancer. I don't know if Oprah will be it just It's like missing something, or it's not tragic. Alex, Korean blind girl with cancer is bad. Oprah will love it, <laughs> right? People feel so much better about themselves after they hear your story. <laughs> I think there's a compliment in there somewhere, right? <laughs> but I realized um, if I can encourage somebody with my story, I'm going to tell it. And that's what God wants from all of us. He wants each and every one of you to share your story. Because that's how he reaches others who don't know him. Jesus said that we will be his witnesses. And I love that we don't have to worry about defending or prosecuting or being the judge or the jury. We just have to be the witness. And the witness simply tells his story. And here's the thing. It's the storms that make the story more interesting. Wouldn't you agree? Geologists say that the tensions along the fault lines and the earthquake and even the fog in our beautiful city, um, are, uh, that those, those, those seismic situation of our uh, very unique city is uh, what has directly shaped the breathtaking landscape of San Francisco. In a way, you could say that uh, our city has gone through uh, geologic trauma and pain, right? And uh, 
makes me wonder, you know, if we hadn't gone through all that, um, I think San Francisco would probably look a lot more like Indiana. Eh? You guys been to Indiana? It's totally flat. There's nothing there. Eh? It's not compelling at all. <laughs> I can make fun of Indiana because it's where I'm from. But do you get my point? Do you get my point? My point is that God allows the calm and the storm. He allows the highs and the lows because he is giving each of us a beautiful, compelling story to tell the world, to draw others to him. A beautiful, compelling story. Not just the ups, not just the downs, all of it together. And he wants you to share it to anybody who is willing to listen. But I know that he's not done with my story yet. I know he's not done with yours. Um, and that probably means we can expect more storms. So how do you weather the storms? How do you weather the storms? First of all, um, I think we need to focus on the blessings, right? We need to focus on the blessings. I, I, <laughs> I, I stand here and listen to myself tell you about all these things I've been through, and it's like, it's like the resume for like the sob story poster child, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, God has given me so much joy and and um, just deep gratitude in my life. I have an amazing family. I have amazing friends. Um, I've just grown so much closer to him over the years. You want to focus on the blessing, okay? But the other thing is we need to weather the storms by gaining a different perspective. And God wants to give us a different perspective through our faith, and that will help us weather the storms. This is sort of like the application part of what I want to share with you, okay? 2 Timothy 1.7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. This means that he doesn't want us to be afraid. He doesn't want us to be discouraged. He wants us to speak bold and courageous and confident. Not only has God given us everything we need to survive through the storm, but to emerge on the other side wiser, stronger, and yes, more thankful and more joyful too. You know, this world wants to sell you a bill of goods. It's all about you. You deserve it. We should be happy and comfortable at all times. Why do bad things happen to you? You're such a good person. Why does the, why does the blind girl get cancer? But no, we had the wrong perspective. God loves us. He has a plan for us. And we need, we need to gain that perspective through our faith. And here's how we do it. Number one, look out. Look out and seek fellowship. We do it together, okay? You focus on others, not just ourselves. The worst thing you can do in the middle of a storm is to wallow in self-pity. My five-year-old said to me the other day, Mom, what's an issue? Why do you want to know? Well, Bruno says I have issues. <laughs> well, a, a, an issue is sort of like a problem, like there's something wrong with you. And he stomped his foot and he said, well, Bruno has issues too. <laughs> and he's right, because his big brother has issues. I have issues, you guys have issues, we all have problems, none of us are immune, and it's okay, because God says lean on one another, lean on one another as we walk through the storms. Remember what I said before about how weakness builds community? We are stronger together. Have you ever noticed that the best way to take your mind off of your own problems is to help somebody with theirs? Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, all right? This is how it works, all right? We, we, we walk through the storms together. We help each other out. Get some, get some good friends. Get some strong Christian brothers and sisters that we can link arms with. You know, not friends, not, friends that don't just party with you, but friends that suffer with you. 
Okay? Seek fellowship. Look out and seek fellowship. Number two, look forward and seek his purpose. Look forward and seek his purpose. We're not God. We can't see around the corner. But I can guarantee you he has a plan. And we can wait upon him with great expectations. Romans 8.28. I love this promise. It's in your handout. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Notice those two words. In all things, not just some things, not just every other thing. And he says, for the good, for our good, not our okay, not our good enough, for our good. God is the expert at using bad things for good. Even when we screw up, he uses them for good. And if you find yourself in the middle of a storm, seek his purpose. Is he trying to get your attention? Is he trying to grow you in a certain way? Is he trying to reach somebody through you? Or maybe he just wants to remind you that he's there and that he wants you to be closer to him. He always has a plan. He always has a purpose. Look forward and seek his purpose. Number three, look beyond. Look beyond and take the eternal perspective. I think this is the hardest one for most of us. One of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 4.18, for we fix our eyes not upon what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Earth is not our final destination. Our time here on Earth is just a vapor. It's like one grain of sand on an entire beach. And I know things are broken on this side of heaven. I know there are storms. There's, there's joy, too, but there's also the storms. And one day, we can look forward to being reunited with God in, in paradise forever. But until that day, we have to learn to be able to defer our gratification and to be able to say, it's going to be OK. And if it's not OK, it's still OK, because God's grace is enough for me. You know, I'm going to get my vision back. But if I don't, it's OK, because God's grace is enough for me. This cancer is not coming back. But if it does, it's OK, because God's grace is enough. You know, this world likes to define OK by things like financial security and good health and whether or not your kids turn out OK. But God defines it eternally. Have you taken the free gift? Have you accepted the free gift of Jesus Christ uh, through which we have salvation? and therefore be spending eternity with God. Have you? I received some bad news this week. My father, my dear father, who's back in South Carolina, has colon cancer. And um, he had to go through surgery. And it was really hard for me not to be with him this week. But it's also given me another opportunity to walk the talk, because I know that my dad's going to be OK. And if he's not OK, it's still OK, because God's grace is enough, even for my dad. Look beyond and take the eternal view. And finally, and probably most importantly, if you find yourself in the middle of a storm, look up, look up. Trust your Father who is in control. Trust your Father who is in control. I love this verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. For no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. To me, that means not only do we all have problems, our problems are not unique, OK? So I guess that means there's another Korean blind girl with cancer running around out there. <laughs> but it's the next part of the verse that's the game changer. All right? For when we are tempted, God is faithful. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. He will provide a way out so we can stand up under it. You know, God knows you so well. He knows you better than yourself. He knows 
your limits, he knows your potential. And the mere fact that you find yourself in a storm right now means that you have everything you need to overcome it. I want to give you guys a visual. Um, I love metaphors. We are like kites tethered to God's hand. We're meant to soar higher and higher and to fly gloriously through the sky. And God knows exactly how much line to let out. Not enough, we don't take flight and grow, but too much and we'll be destroyed by the winds that are too strong for us. He knows that perfect sweet spot for each of us. And as we grow in faith, he lets out the line a little more. And if we, if we fall, he picks us up, dusts us off, and helps us take flight again. And the best part is that he never lets go. He will never let go of you. Even when you can't see him or feel him through the storm, he is hanging on. I know the storms are hard. I know they're hard. I know they don't make sense. I know they're frustrating. I know you feel like you can't take one more day. But you can trust your father. He is in control. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. He's giving every one of you an amazing story. And he will never, ever let go. In a minute, we're going to have a time of giving. And then um, the band is going to play a song that I especially requested. But let me just pray for us right now. Father God, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for never letting go of us through the storms. Help us to be bold and courageous, Lord. Help us to encourage one another, to seek your purpose, to take the eternal view, and to trust you as we walk through the storms of life. Thank you so much for your son, your precious son. We know that nothing, nothing can separate us from your unfailing love. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you.